Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. We are in the middle of a series called Hall of Fame, Leaving a Legacy. And so today we're talking about Ruth, talking about Ruth as our character today. Um, Not that she is known for being a mama, but she's an awesome, strong woman in the Bible, and we wanted to bring her up today. So we are kind of uh, working our way through the scripture, through the Old Testament with these amazing, powerful uh, people who uh, shape our faith today, that what they do, the legacy that they they leave echoes throughout the scripture. Um, In Ruth's case, she lived probably about 3,000 years ago. Here's one woman living her life the best she possibly can, and what she did in these four or five chapters in the Old Testament echoes for thousands and thousands of years. Think about leaving a legacy like that. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to delve into her this morning. I shy away from a Mother's Day giving a mother-specific message. I'm not going to tell moms. I did this once. It was my first time being a senior pastor. I gave a mom-specific message on how moms should be moms. I was stupid. Right? No one complained, but I was like, I got about 10 minutes in the message. I was like, what do I think I'm doing right now? Uh, so we'll have applications for moms today, but it will not be a mama, this is how you're supposed to live your life, because joy might hit me. Uh, so there's, there's, that, uh, there's, there's that thing today. So we're going to talk about Ruth. Um, she is one of the only, uh, there's only two women in the Bible that get their own book of the Bible, uh, Ruth and Esther. And uh, Ruth is just this amazing, amazing woman. She's not even an Israelite. She's a Mo, uh, from Moab, a Moabite. Um, so she gets this, um, this book of the Bible that's very, very interesting. If you want to turn your Bibles to Ruth, uh, feel free to use your table of contents. No one is going to judge you because it's tiny and it's in the middle of the Old Testament. That makes it hard to find, okay? It's right after the book of Judges, right before the book of 1 Samuel. If you have a phone or a phone, you're cheating. You get to just click on the name. Um, if, you, um, if you don't have a Bible with you and you'd like to use one, there's one in the seat in front of you. If you don't have one at home, feel free to take that with you today. If you have 12 collecting dust at home, don't take my Bible. I don't need another one collecting dust, okay? I'm watching you. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, Delve it into Ruth. We're not going to read a much of it today, but I'd love it if you would read the whole rest of the book on your own this week because there's just so much good stuff that's happening here. Who is Ruth? When was she? What's going on? Question. Last week we talked about Abraham. Abraham's probably a thousand years ahead of maybe 1200 years ahead of Ruth. So that's a long time. All right. So then we have the Exodus that happens about 400 years before Ruth. That's a long time. In that period between uh, Exodus and Ruth, Ruth's probably at the very end of Judges, we have all these, uh, it's basically the wild, wild west in Israel. There's all these warlords and stuff happening there. It's this interesting, some of the weirdest stories in the Bible happen in Judges. People are getting like their limbs cut off and that's where Samson comes from and all these interesting stuff are going on. You're like, if you have a teenage boy, have them read Judges. They'll be like, what is happening? It's in the Bible. And then send them their questions to me. We'll have fun. Okay. Uh, so um, Judges is just this fun, interesting 
book of the Bible, but it's really this warlordy, interesting time in Israel's history. Ruth is at the very end of that. And so we've got another 1,200 years after Ruth before Jesus. So that's where I came up with the 3,000 years it's been um, since Ruth. Ruth's there. So that's where she's at. She didn't know Abraham. They didn't have coffee together. Um, you know, she is the great-grandma of David, King David. You've probably heard of him. He's kind of a big deal. Um, and so he's, he's a, uh, she's the great-grandma of him. So that's her legacy directly is in the line of Jesus because Jesus is in the line of David. So she's incredibly important, uh, but she's this really outlier character, person in the Bible that no one really should know about. Like, if you're writing her story, and if she would have done the right, the smart thing, if she would have done the thing that made sense, no one would have ever heard of her. Instead, she's this pillar of the faith, this pillar of the Old Testament that directly is in line with Jesus. Um, because of her legacy, we get uh, to learn something about her that I think we can apply to our own life. She is, um, what we're going to talk about today is the legacy of loyalty. We're going to talk about the legacy of loyalty. Because this is what Ruth does. Ruth chooses to be loyal when everything else says, don't do that. And she chooses loyalty in a very, very difficult circumstance. And this idea of loyalty dramatically shapes who she is and directly affects the line in which she's going to be in. And so we're going to delve into why loyalty is her thing. So what happens to Ruth, I'm going to paraphrase the the Bible because we can't read all five chapters today, um, is that what goes on is uh, Ruth marries into an Israelite family. They've moved out of Israel and they've kind of, they found this uh, Moabite family that they've married the daughters or two Moabite daughters. And um, I always call it, her name's, um, what is it? Orpha. I always call her Oprah just because it's easier for my brain, uh, but that's not it. Uh, so Oprah and, uh, and Ruth get, these are great names, uh, get married into this, this Jewish family. Well, what happens is uh, the dad and the two sons pass away. And so now you've got mom-in-law, which his name is Naomi, and you have these two girls and they're at a crossroads. What do we do now? We're young. We could be married again. Naomi's like, I don't care anymore. I'm done. I'm mad at the world and life and God, and I'm cranky. Just the kind of mother-in-law you want. Um, and so she's, she's dealing with that. And so they have this crossroads, and they come at this moment, and she says, girls, just go find another husband. Leave me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home, whatever. And the girls are like, oh, no, no, we're going to stay with you. And she's like, no, go away. And so Oprah heads off. She's like, fine, I'm out. And then we have this, one of the most famous passages in the scripture. It's used in weddings all over the place. The interesting thing about this, the interesting thing about this, this passage that we're getting ready to read, that we say to each other, we put it in our vows. I'm doing it in weddings. I'm always like, you know where that comes from, right? You put it, put it in their weddings and you go, uh, that's between a daughter-in-law and her mother-in-law. Are you sure you want to put that in your wedding? Uh, but we'll see, okay? It's Ruth 1, verse 16. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. This is the pledge that she gives to her mother-in-law. She knows Naomi in the depth of her sorrow and hurt 
and pain of losing not only her husband, but her two sons. And he says, I'm not leaving you. I'm chasing after you. I'm going to be with you. I'm, I'm, I'm after you all the time. I'm with you. I will not leave you. This becomes her pledge to her mother-in-law. Can you hear the loyalty in that? And that's why we use it in our wedding ceremonies because there's this beautiful binding that's happening. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your God will be my God. This binding together. Did I do? What is that? I don't know what that was. Uh, What did I do? Uh, Sorry. And what it enables us to hear in her voice and how she conducts herself is this legacy of loyalty. Now, Ruth is going to go on and she's going to do all these interesting things. She's going to uh, meet a guy who happens to be um, a relative uh, in, in some way that has second crack at being able to marry her. His name's Boaz. He's actually a really amazing dude in the Bible. And, uh, and through some obedience and some loyalty and through uh, all the workings of God, they come together and the story has a happy ending. But before we get there, we got to realize what Naomi and Ruth are signing up for. See, Naomi is so embittered by this experience. She's so cranky with this experience that she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Naomi means pleasant. Don't call me that anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Now, mother-in-law relationships are hard enough. Sign me up. I want a mother-in-law who says, I'm bitter. Where you go, I go. What do you say, I say. Well, you, your God will be my God. That's what she signed up for. She said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Don't call me Naomi. And Ruth takes it on herself to go and to be with her and to love on her. And she takes it upon herself to start providing for the family. She takes it upon herself to, she really becomes the engine that saves this family. Her legacy is loyalty. And through that loyalty, some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things happen. She gets to marry Boaz, and Boaz and her have, um, have a baby, Obed, and Obed has a baby named Jesse, and Jesse has a baby named David, and then, blah, 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 and then we get Jesus because of the loyalty of this woman. Where you go, where you go I will go. What you say, I'll say. Where you stay, I say, I'll stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Her loyalty is her legacy, and through that, we can start understanding how we apply that to our life. How do we extrapolate that? How do we pull from that so that we can live that out? Because her loyalty is extravagant. It is, she had everything, everything that the world would say, every common sense, everything says, don't go back with her. Don't go to a land that you don't, you don't know these people. You don't, you don't know, have any relatives there. You don't, don't go back home. Everything says that. That's the smart move. But something inside her says, no, I'm going to be loyal. And it becomes her legacy. Loyalty is a characteristic, I think, that we miss about God. I don't understand, I don't usually go back with loyalty when I think about God. I think about love, I think about grace, I think about mercy, but loyalty might be one of the the characteristics of God that I skim over. And that's not because God's not loyal, it's because Jared doesn't place the right emphasis on God. 
I've always thought about my loyalty with God as a bargaining chip. I think of loyalty as very one-sided, that I'm doing this. Loyalty to God for me, unfortunately, in the way in which I've struggled with it, has been kind of like a, uh, a frequent buyer card, a punch ticket. I got, a, I got one for the cupcake place up in Naperville. It was on uh, Cupcake Wars. Oh, yeah, it's the best part of taking my kids to the, dinner, or to the, um, or the, the braces person because it's right next to it. We get a cupcake afterwards. Right? And you get a free one after you get 10 hole punches. But that's how I view my loyalty with God. God, I gave. You owe me. If I give 10 times, does that mean I get a blessing? I prayed. I did a quiet time like once in the last three months. That, that should give me something, right? It's just Jared. This is the pastor talking. You guys never do any of this stuff. But I look at loyalty as this transactional thing, right? Like if you do this, then I will do this. If I punch the ticket, if I punch the car, click, 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 click. Ooh, I did three of them. I got, isn't that a great feeling when you walk in and you get some, now you owe me something for free, a blessing of whatever, of to be named later. That's not how God's loyalty works. We have to shift that. That's how, that's not how Ruth's loyalty worked either. It was, no, 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 I'm totally in where you go. I go. Not if you go to, you know, Hawaii. I always joke with the staff on junkie weather days. I was like, man, that church in San Diego is starting to look good. You guys want to go with me? I'm not going anywhere. Okay. <laughs> Cause it's like snowing or whatever. It's like, ah, da, 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 yeah. You can't give you guys heart attacks. I'm fine. You know, even Christmas. Um, a loyalty. I'm talking about loyalty today. We joke about it because it's a transactional. Yes. Of my elders right now are like. <laughs> um, so we go. Like, we think about this whole loyalty idea, and we go, "Oh, is it is it transactional? Can it be earned?" Here's the deal with God: is that's not how this works. One, we don't earn loyalty from God. We don't punch a ticket and go, oh, I earned a blessing today. Woohoo! I have baseball parents right now because it's raining so much. They're like, Jared, can't you pray a little bit harder for better weather? <laughs> First of all, I'm praying for my mother. And if he answers one of my, my, uh, my, my prayers, I would like it to go there. And not, I don't care about the baseball raining out. Sorry about your luck. All right. And two, that's not how this works. All right. So we have this thing, though, we we need to be clicking that. That's not how this works at all. That's not how God's loyalty works. God's loyalty is given. It's not earned. It's given. It's not earned. And we need to understand that in our heart. And the same kind of loyalty that we give God is it's it's not earned. We just freely are given it. If you look at the Old Testament, there's there's these things called covenants. And God keeps on making promises, and there's these ideas that go along with them, like, okay, guys, if you do this, then I'll do this. I'm going to be your God if you just do this. I'll be your God and do this. It starts out with Abraham, this very specific promise to him. Hey, Abraham, I'm going to give you a land that I can show you, and it's going to be awesome, and go. All right, and then they get to Exodus, and hey, guys, don't do stupid stuff, the Ten Commandments. Don't kill people. You know, it's very hard. It's a hard thing to don't kill anybody. Don't steal from things and don't lie and don't worship other gods. I mean, that's really grossly bring it down. But if you just quit being idiots, you're good to go. We can't do that. Okay. All right. And God just keeps on making it easier and easier and easier and easier and easier. And he also is expanding who it's for and expanding who it's for and expanding for who it's for. He keeps on making these, these, these promises to us. Hey, if you just do this, then I'll be your God to these certain people. And then he gets it bigger. Do you understand how that's working? 
Because then we get to Jesus in the new covenant, and he says, all right, this is for everybody. No longer it's just Abraham or just the Jews or just, no, no, it's for everybody. And all you got to do is believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Okay. Because he wants to, his position is he wants us to win. He wants us in heaven. He wants us to be with him. He's giving us his loyalty. If your loyalty is transactional, it's not loyalty. If your loyalty is transactional with God, it's not loyalty to God. If your loyalty is transactional with your marriage, it's not loyalty. If your loyalty is transactional with your children, it's not loyalty. Now, I understand your kids screw up, and I understand your husband does dumb things, and I understand that you get frustrated with God. Got it. But that's not loyalty. Loyalty says, I go where you go, I stay where you stay, I'm with you. And that is a a transformational thought process that we have to start going through if we're really going to live a legacy of loyalty. Because I think this one idea can dramatically change the way in which we parent, dramatically change the way in which our marriage works. If we understand this idea of loyalty, I am with you. That I never have to question it. That if... Kelly, this week, she slept on the couch maybe three times in our whole marriage. She couldn't breathe this week, so she fell asleep on the couch. I wasn't going, oh, no, Kelly's mad at me. I'm like, cool, she's not coughing next to me all week. No, I didn't care. Um, you know, I wasn't worried. Oh, she's mad at me. Oh, my marriage is on. I, I have the blessing. I don't have to worry about that. I know that I am in a unique spot. But that wasn't a thing because I know without a shadow of a doubt, she goes where I go. I go where she goes. We got this. And that is transformational in our marriage. When you don't ever have to worry about it, right? When your kids, the same thing. We're going we're gonna to explore both these ideas a little bit more with your kids that they never have to worry about, is my pa- parent for me? Is my parent for me? They, don't, they never even crosses their mind that mom or dad is for them, that they're loyal. Loyalty that is transactional is not loyalty. This idea that we have got to ingrain in our head with how we operate with God is that he is for us. He wouldn't have sent his son for us if he wanted to get you. I got you now. You get to go to hell. His predisposition is not that. He wants you to win. He wants to be with you. Otherwise, he wouldn't sacrifice himself on a cross to have you in eternal life with him. Some of us were always thinking about God. Oh, he's just waiting to put the thumb to me. He's always waiting to beat me. He's always waiting to push me down. No, 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 that's not how this works. He's predisposed. I want you to win. And once we start to ingrain that, we understand that God wants us to win, that he loves us, that he is loyal to us. We start to shape our our mindset around how we are in our marriages, that I, I can be secure enough in who I am in God. I can be secure in who I am as a as a partner in this marriage, I can be secure as who I am as a parent. Because all the insecurities that come from our marriage issues and all the insecurities that come from our parenting issues, they come from do we understand who we are in God. And once we have that secure in our head, that he loves us and he cares about us and he's not going to abandon us. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. I have plans for you. Once we understand that, once that's imprinted in our heart, everything else flows out of that. And so this morning, I want you to understand that living a lifestyle of legacy, or a lifestyle of legacy, a legacy of loyalty comes from understanding who you are in God and what he has for you. Loyalty that's transactional isn't loyalty. 
Loyalty matters to our marriages. Loyalty matters to our marriages. Some of us come from places where the, the trust has been shattered, where things have happened, where big bumps have hit us, and I get that. But loyalty is not trust. It's not these other things. It's saying, I'm giving you my loyalty. I'm coming. I'm, I'm here. Whether stuff gets messy, stuff gets rough, stuff hurts, I'm here. Whether the chicken is, is burnt or the dishes are done or the yard's mowed, I'm here. Now, I'm making this easy things. I know those aren't the things that mess up your life. But whether there's, there's long work hours or whether there's questions of, of fidelity, what, what, what are they like? It's like, I'm here. So you come home. I come home. Where you go. I go where you stay, I stay. You're God, my God. We are into this together. We make that kind of promise. And maybe for you this morning, that's something that needs to transform in your heart. We understand who we are in God, that God is for us. We understand, you know what? Me, you, we're doing this. It's ugly, it's messy, it's hard, and there's tears, and there's snot, and there's crying, and there's all kinds of messy stuff, but we are doing this. And that we don't ever have to question that if this is going to get... I can't live in a place where I don't know if we're going to make it. So me, you, right now, me, you, right now. You want to give your wife a Mother's Day present? Me, you, right now. We're making this. See that old couple over there that's been married for 86 years? That's who we're going to be, babe. That's my life plan. What's your life plan? That's me. I don't know, babe. No, no, that's our life plan. Men, you need to be leaders in this, that your wife should never, ever, 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 ever question whether or not you're going to make it. Is he just going to be here until the kids graduate? Shut up. Take care of that problem right now. But Jerry, it's going to be hard. Duh. We have to get in that spot. We have to get in that spot where in our, in our marriages, you want to transform your marriage. You want to take your marriage from a place that you're like, it's dicey right now to a place of we're going to get this through. Look at each other in the eye and say, right now, I go where you go. I stay where you stay. Let's do this. It's a legacy of loyalty. And what that does is it transforms who your kids are because your kids feel it. They feel it. And I'm not saying this is an easy thing to ask, but they know. They know, they know, they know, they know. Change it. Uh, in our family, we have a history, a weird, funny history. When I was in fifth grade. Uh, I did a genealogy uh, project, and um, we found out that my great-great-great-great-grandpa was in the Civil War. And my grandma went to, um, went to like, Richmond, Indiana to collect death benefits because they thought uh, he died in the war. Well, he didn't die in the war. He went out to Kansas by himself after, after he got uh, discharged. So grandma packed up her uh, six kids in a covered wagon, chased that dude down. <laughs> now that never, another word was not spoken of him. Uh, so I don't know what happened. If he survived that encounter, I have no clue what happened, but here's a strong Hauser woman. Now you see what happens in this lineage, okay? Um, so if you ever wonder, we're attracted to these strong women, apparently. Uh, so that's who, who she was. Now, you go a couple generations down, you get to my grandpa. My grandpa is born, he's, I think he's the eighth child in the, uh, in the thing. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the slew, uh, in the litter, if you will, uh, and he's uh, the eighth kid, and, um, and, and great-grandpa leaves, and he's two months old, I think, takes out. Now, loyalty 
be shattered. This is something, a generational thing going on here because you got great-great-great-grandpa decking out after, after the Civil War. I love that she chased him down. I don't care how much the war messed you up. I don't care who you think you are. I'm with you, bub, and these six kids, and you're helping. Uh, just see a, see a cast iron skillet being thrown. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway. So, <laughs> so then you have, uh, you have Grandpa dealing with the same kind of thing. And those reverberations of not being loyal echoed in his life, how he raised my father. They echoed. And they echo in my dad's how he raised me and how he, he loves my mother. He ain't going nowhere. And that's a direct because... The family line was broken. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. I wish you guys could have seen him take care of my mom in the hospital the last couple of weeks. You want to see loyalty? That's what you see. Right? I'm not going to cry, Dominic. <laughs> We're going to make him cry, though. It's going to be fun. Uh, no, um, I wish you could have seen that because that's loyalty. Right? When you marry someone and you say, you know what? It doesn't matter what it turns into. What physically happens? What mentally happens? I'm with you. I go where you go. And we got to beat up people. Christians, we're not this. We're like, eh, well, only if they hold their teeth right. And we know I'm, I'm, giving, I'm, I'm giving up on this marriage. We got to, no, we, gotta, we can do better than that. Because as a people, we say, no, you go. I go where you go. I stay where you stay. Your God is my God. I'm with you. Can't get with me. Get away from me. Loyalty matters in our marriages. It will dramatically transform because that, that lineage of a goofy woman chasing down Wichita and, and great-grandpa dipping and, and then dad being so loyal is ingrained into me. I'm loyal. And we go from that. Loyalty matters in our parenting. Um, loyalty matters in our parenting. Our children cannot guess if we're loyal to them. This never can be a question in their mind. Now, if you've already raised your kids, guess what? And you go, I've already done a lot of damage here. It's okay. You can look at them, just like I said for parents, you can look at them in the eye. I choose you. I love you. I know you're mad at me. I know we've got history. I know we've got stuff. But I want you to know, without a shadow of a doubt, I love you and I am for you. Whether your kid's 80, whether your kid's 20, or they're four, I'm with you. I had an experience with Bowen this week. I mean, what would be a message without Bowen making it? <laughs> so I had experience. He wasn't in here last week or wasn't in the last week's message. So we went one week. Um, experience with Bowen this week. It was on Tuesday. Uh, this actually informed the re- this whole message because uh, God spoke to me so powerfully through that interaction was this. I was at baseball practice. It was a fantastic baseball practice. Probably the best baseball practice I've ever had as a coach. It was so much fun. I divided up the kids. They're playing each other in a, a scrimmage thing. Well, Bowen's team's got last at bats. And Bowen goes, and this kid hits the ball, and um, they're down by one run. So Bowen, being hyper-competitive, don't know where he got that from. His mother, his mother, his mother. Uh, and uh, uh, this kid hit the ball, ran out, got out at first base. I called him out. The kid goes back to the dugout. I was safe. I don't know why coach called me out. Says that to Bowen. All of a sudden, Bowen, look on his face. He's not pouty mad. He's not cranky mad. He's seething. Like fire is going to come out of his eyeballs. And I look at him, and I'm pitching, 
And I know what is going on right now, and I'm getting mad. I mean, I throw the next pitch to the next, poor next kid gets a 90-mile-per-hour fastball because uh, I'm getting mad at Bowen. And we have a couple options, right, that are getting ready to happen. Either Bowen is going to start running until that look comes off his face. That's happened before. That's how I dealt with it last year. I failed. Or, you know, he can just, we only live a mile and a half away from the home. I think he can run that behind my truck. You know, I'll just drag him. I don't care. Uh, you know, uh, don't call defects on me. I wouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> but there's a couple options. You know, they're going through my head. Like, how am I going to deal with this? He's so cranky right now, and I can't stand that look. And I, oh, my blood pressure's going up. I call into a practice, and thankfully for Aaron, he helps me coach that team, and he's, he's carrying stuff, and I'm trying not to kill my son. And, uh, and so we get in the truck. I was like, dude, why are you so mad? And, and he goes, because David said he was safe. And the Holy Spirit, legitimately the Holy Spirit just said, whoa, Jared. It broke my heart at that moment. Because I thought, this is a stupid thing. He's so mad at his dad right now. I go, buddy, first of all, he was out. Second of all, he's out. <laughs> Third of all, I will never, I always want you to win. I always want you to win. No matter what you're doing, what you're playing, what you, I always want you to win. Always. But enabled you to win, I've got to call it fair. Because sometimes life's not going to work out well. If I would let you just win everything at, at practice or I give you all the answers for your homework, like that's not teaching you anything. That's not setting you up to win. It's like, Bowen, you should never, ever, 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 ever question if your dad's for you. Because I am for you. I will make you, I put you in positions to fail. I do. Because I wanted to see you grow. Because I'm for you. He gets quiet. How that went. (laughs) Are you those parenting moments where you like say something, you're like, I'm just in a sitcom right now. I just had that full house quiet music was playing behind us and I'm always for you. And I'm like, well, I don't know how that went. And so I get home, and the dog is going absolutely insane. And my other dog is pretty chill. And I'm like, you need a walk. So I put the harness on the dog, and I say, all right, I'm going to walk the dog. Anybody want to go with me? Bowen goes, I'll go with you, Dad. Gets on his bike. Do you know how many walks with the dog that me and Bowen have ever had? Got two. Anybody else got this? have one. That was the very first time he's ever walked the dog with me. Here I am going, I don't know how I did parenting. Got a son now riding his bike next to me. He's not off and far. He's right here talking to me about practice and baseball and life and stupid things at school and Pokemon cards because that's what he does. (laughs) But he needs to never, ever, 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 ever question, am I for him? And hopefully that started to cement that. And so parents, I, I, I know even when you are disciplining and even when you're saying, hey, you're not making a good choice. That doesn't mean, it's not transactional. It doesn't mean I don't love you anymore. It doesn't mean that you failed as, as a person or that, that we're done as a, as a, as a family. It, it means I'm not liking what you're doing at the moment or I'm trying to teach you something or whatever that goes on. But they should never, ever, 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 ever question that you are for them. Just as in your marriage, ever, 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 ever question, I am for you. Just as we should never, ever, ever question that God is for us. No matter what curveballs and messes and stuff that gets thrown at us in life, that God is for us. Loyalty matters. I got news for you here. 
withholding loyalty to God only hurts you. You're not hurt. It only hurts you. Withholding loyalty from your spouse only ends badly for your marriage. It's not going to fix it. Like, but you don't know what they did. I, I got that. But you're only hurting yourself. You're only, only sabotaging yourself. Withholding loyalty to your kids only ends badly for your family. No matter what they've done, it only ends badly for your family. The cry of the heart of God is that he wants us to be with him. He sent his son to die on a cross to be a sacrifice for all of our messes and all of our stuff because he wants to be with us so badly. This idea of loyalty is ingrained in the heartbeat of God. It's ingrained in who Ruth is. It should be ingrained as who we are as people of God. This morning, I want to pray for you, and I want you to pray with me that we would become people of loyalty. That maybe this morning you need to choose and put aside some of the stuff that you've had with God. It's, God, I, I want to be loyal to you. Maybe you need to, this afternoon, take some time with your wife or with your husband and say, you know what, we've had our issues, we've had our troubles, we've had our arguments. But I want you to know, even though we're going through rough stuff right now, I go where you go. I stay where you stay. Maybe you need to find time this week to set aside with your kid when there's a, an argument or even a quiet bedtime, whatever thing going on, and say, hey, I want you to know I love you and I'm with you. I'm always for you. If you have a 17-year-old, they'll look at you and be like, okay. <laughs> but it, it will matter. It will matter. It will matter. It will matter. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're about. Thank you for who you're driving us to become. God, I ask you to anoint us and to be with us and give us the courage to say some of these things. God, for some of us, it's going to take a ton of courage to be loyal. God, I look around this room and I know the stories, I know the heartache, and I know the hurt, and I know the, the, the disappointment. And so, Lord, would you wrap those hearts in your love and your peace and your patience and give them the strength and the courage for this loyalty lifestyle. That at the end of the day, when, when we pass on, that everyone at our funerals would know that was one loyal man or woman. That they love God, they love their spouse, and they loved their children. Lord, we ask you to be with us and give us this courage. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I talked a little bit too long today, so I'm going to dismiss you. Okay, Brian? All right. I love you guys so much. I love being your pastor. I love taking you on this faith journey. And we're going to have a fun time this summer uh, delving into each one of these uh, different Bible people that we get to explore in this Hall of Fame series. Uh, I enjoy knowing you and knowing your hearts. And I'm serious when I say if we can start cultivating an atmosphere of loyalty in our marriages and with God and with our kids, we can change our circumstances dramatically. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, serve our community for Christ. You can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.